This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Nona Never Football Show. I am your host, Natalie Bromley, and this week we have got lots to cover. We are looking back at a goalless draw in the way in the FA Cup, which has got us at least in the draw for the fifth round. We are looking at that transfer window and seeing whether or not Burnley have had an effective time in the transfer market. And we're going to be looking ahead to Norwich away in the Championship. So without further ado, let's get going. I am joined this week by our good friend, our panellist and our all-round entertainer, Tom Whitaker. Tom, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Good evening, Natalie. Very well, thank you. Nice to be back. How yes, are you, you all as well? Yes, of course we are. We're all good. Um, it's been a while, actually. We've been a little bit lazy at None and Ever Towers. Um, we had a bit of a diary clash after West Brom and then we all forgot to submit our videos. And then, obviously, we had the build-up to the FA Cup and we didn't do anything. And, and now it's been like three weeks since we put a podcast out so so's listeners we've been a little bit lazy and um, but I'm going to kick off straight away Tom I'm going to look back on before we get into to the next preview I'm going to look back at last weekend because regular listeners of this show know that I love a cup run I love the FA Cup especially and I would dearly love us to try and have a crack at it every single year it was very exciting to be in the fifth round and in fact Burnley are two home games against lower league sides away from the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Now, I know you're not normally a massive, you don't get too excited, particularly in the early rounds, but please tell me you've been swept away a little bit by this, Tom. I think, um, especially with the way the league is at the minute, obviously we've had a lot of years of saying, well, the league's the priority, let's just concentrate on the league, etc. But, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, we've pretty much done what we need to do in the league. The gap that we've got means we can afford to, you know, if we have a couple of bad games, then we're still going to be very much, you know, in, in prime position to get promoted. So I think we can afford to, to look at the cup a bit more this year. Like you say, the draw has been really kind. Um, I think I thought it just gave us a good game at Portman Road. So it won't be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Chef Wednesday have already beaten uh, Newcastle in their cup run. So that there'll be tough games if we do end up playing those two at home. But it's a great opportunity to get to the quarterfinal. And I think 
think I've been going for about probably about 25, 30 years now. And I think of it, we've only ever got as far as the quarterfinals once in that time. Mm. So, yeah, for me, I am, I'm very excited. I think we all remember the last time we were within touching distance of the quarterfinals with a, a nice easy home game against the non-league team. And we yes. know it will be nice to exercise some of those demons as well. Yeah, well, Tom, we're not going to mention those. That's 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 we're not doing that. It's a different it's a different genre now. It's a different era of Burnley, and um, we love Dash and we understand why he did it. But he was most definitely not a cup manager. Um, he did not have time for cup competitions. He was too busy keeping us up um, in the league. But I think this is very similar for me, Tom, to um, the season that we finished in the uh, in Europe. By the time the FA Cup started, we were nearly safe. It was ridiculous. Um, and we still didn't um, have a bash. Like you say, we didn't quite get past that looting game. So you're right. Ipswich is going to be a tough ask. However, we are back at Turf Moor. And I do wonder whether VK will put a much stronger side out on the basis that we have an opportunity here to get into a quarterfinal draw if we can beat both those sides. With that in mind, did you have in the back of your mind any concern or thoughts about the fact that we didn't get past? I know we were away from home, but um, Ipswich are in League One. They are pushing for promotion, albeit not automatic. Do we uh, Did that maybe expose a little bit of weakness in our squad, maybe, that maybe our strength in depth isn't quite what we thought it was? I think it's just the problem that you have uh, um, when you make a lot of changes in the side. I think mm. Ipswich had the same problem as well. I think the way for the performance is just disjointed. Uh, yes. Um, I think it's it's a mix of, you know, it's players who, who don't normally play together. You know, we've seen after giving Benson and Zorori, you know, a run, they they really got up to speed. People like Sherlin off, uh, you know, he's only had games here and there twine. I just don't think they've quite made, they've quite got up to the speed of it in yeah. terms of making those partnerships with other players on the pitch. Things like that make a big difference to the fluency. And we saw how we were in the first few games of the season. We were labouring, you know, we had a lot of low-scoring draws because we had this exact same problem. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it's too much to worry about. Um, I think it's just what happens when you make changes. And I think when everyone saw the lineup um, at two o'clock on Saturday on paper, everyone thought, Do you know, what? that's that's a pretty good lineup. You're expecting changes yeah. to be made. Um, there's people who need minutes, you know, cheering off and twine. It was a good opportunity to give them a run out. Uh, the new lad playing centre half as well. Um, I thought he was someone who, who looked like a good player, but again, you could tell that he wasn't quite up to, you know, this. He wasn't quite up to the rhythm, and and he wasn't quite in sync with the rest of the team. Yet, I think is a good way of putting it. So, yeah, not a massive worry. I don't think it suggests that the players in the squad aren't that good. I think it's just a, a natural thing you get with any team where if you take if you take six or seven players out and change them, then you'll just lack a bit of fluency. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um... Uh, that's certainly what I put down in my show notes ahead of this game. It was like that disjointed, um, you know, we're such a slick operation most of the time that I think you forget that actually we weren't at the beginning of the season. And when we come on to talk about the Norwich game, I think that's probably one thing that we will look at. We played Norwich very early on in the season. And my goodness, was that a, a game of two halves? So we'll probably come back to that point anyway. Um very quickly then, before we move on to have a quick look at deadline day, bearing in mind that... In the cup, the last round of the cup was the game that Taylor Harwood Bellis got injured. What do you do in the home tie against Ipswich? Do you go all out with a strong side, or do you still give the fringe players a go? I think, uh, bearing in mind what we said about the league and the way that we're we're in a pretty good position in there, I think that 
the next couple of games after Norwich aren't, aren't as difficult in the league. So I think, yeah, for me, I would uh, I would like to see a strong team. I'd like to see us have a go at it because, like I said, I mean, it's it's been a long, long time since we were in a quarterfinal. And depending on how kind the draw is in that quarterfinal, we might even have a good chance of Wembley. And, you know, with, with promotion sort of, you know, what what would you say, nine-tenths of the way, something like that? Yeah. If, you, if you're missing one or two players, even if we limp over the line, as long as we get over the line, that's the main thing. So, yeah, for me, I don't see any reason why you need to to rest players because you're worried about injury or anything like that. I think get a decent team out and, and let's go for it. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, there's there's no great surprise that I I definitely share that <laughs> that view. You know, I've been I've been banging the the cup run drum for a long time. Okay, let's let's move on then, Tom. We've just seen the transfer window close at the end of January and it was a transfer window, again, that we're just not really used to as Burnley fans. We had business done nice and early, no real drama with us going in and offering 50p in a packet of crisps for a player and getting turned down. We didn't really get messed around by clubs. We didn't really get laughed when we approached players and we were out in the market attracting the players that we wanted to. I've seen a lot online about people saying that in this transfer window, this new look Burnley were reinforcing without revolutionising. I think that's a pretty good um, summary of our transfer window. I think I'm going to start off with you, Tom. We, we reinforced at the back where we needed to because we've got lone players there. So we, you know, our two main centre-halves are not ours. So we, we definitely reinforced there. We reinforced in our strikers, which is what we were lacking. Um, I guess probably the question mark is whether or not we needed a centre, a midfielder, but maybe that will wait to the summer. Bearing all of that in mind, give me a marks out of 10 in your views of our transfer window, please. Yeah, I think you'd have to give it a, a solid mark without maybe, I think it would have to be, have been a little bit more spectacular to, to be pushing the top numbers, but I think it's a solid seven. Um, we, we haven't really strengthened the first team that much, I wouldn't say, but then again, we didn't really need to. Um, no. I think the one position where we needed an upgrade, as you said, was was striker, and we've obviously done that. Um, the difficulty with really rating it is, I think that Arbifemi looks a good player, and I think the way that, in terms of, you know, Rodrigo and Barnes, I don't think either of them have actually scored since we came back from the World Cup break. Um, so you'd have to think, from what I've seen of Arbifemi, he'd add something. I think the trouble that I have with rating a lot of the businesses, I, I don't really know a lot about the players. Fair. Um, I mean, if Foster's as good as some of the other ones we've brought in from Belgium, then I'm sure he'll be a good player. We've spent a lot of money on him. You know, I've seen these two-minute YouTube highlight compilations where he's skinning everybody <laughs> and, and slotting it in the bottom corner. But, of course, that's uh, it's not never a, the best way to judge a player. And the centre-halves, I don't think I've seen any anything of them at all. I think the main thing with, with, that, with the, that being good business is uh, you know, we've we've not spent a lot of money on them, and it's as you say, it's a position where next season we will, if with the two loanees being there, assuming we don't get either Harwood, Bellis, or Bayer back next season, you suddenly you've got a window where you need them to find four players for that position. Exactly. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of future planning, I think, in that sense as well. It gives them six months to bed in. Um, it's, it reminded me a little bit of what we did with Tarkovsky. You know. Um, brought him in um, to be back up the last time we got promoted out of this league. He didn't play much for the first year or two, but because we brought him in, uh, you know, when we needed to call upon him, he, he was there and he was ready. So if if this bit of business is anything like the Tarkovsky one was, then it will be, uh, be very exciting. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, fair to say then that we're probably expecting the defenders that he brought in to maybe sit on the benches till the summer, but the centre forwards we brought in um, to both be very involved between now and the end of the season. I think especially Foster, I can see him yeah. being first choice sooner rather than later. Um, Obafemi, I know, has not played that much this season. And when he has played, he hasn't been great. So it might take him a little bit more time to get up to speed. Um, I don't think you can expect to see that much of uh, Barnes now for the rest of the season. I think he's probably dropped down the pecking order a fair bit. Oh, it's an interesting question. No, it is sad, but it's probably necessary as well, unfortunately. Yes. But an uh, interesting question with the centre-halves is, um, obviously at the minute, uh, with Howard Bellis being out, he's got Taylor playing there. I thought against West Brom, Taylor was actually really good. And I think mm. he's slightly more defensively minded. Um, but what we do like with Taylor is bringing the ball out from the back. He's yes. just not as good as Bayer or Howard Bellis. Slows down play quite a lot. That's Yeah, that's exactly it. He do, it does slow down the, the attacking move. And I think that was some of the problems we were having at the start of the season as well. Um, so I think one of at least one of the two new centre-halves, I'm assuming they're ball players because I don't, I don't see why we'd have brought them in otherwise. So I think maybe if... Uh, if one of them can can get up to speed, depending on how long Howard Bellis um, is out for, I think you could maybe expect one of them to play between now and the end of the season at least. Um, but again, without knowing that much about them, I'm not sure which one he'd prefer and who'd play where and you know who's won a left-sided centre-half or anything like that. So uh, wait and see on that one. But I'd probably expect them to be a little bit more involved because I, I just don't think Taylor's quite quite right for that position. Okay, sounds good, sounds good. Okay, well, let's let's move on because we do have something um, else that we need to focus our attention on and that is a return of Championship Football. Before we go on to preview our Norwich City game, we do need to remind you that we had a quiz question we set you at the last week's podcast, which was the last time... Um, sorry, no, sorry, against which club have Burnley played the most second-tier league matches. Tom, did you have any clue what this was? Uh, if I'd have had to guess, I would have said Preston, but uh, I wasn't sure, to be honest. I guessed Preston as well, and it was wrong. But it's not that far off. It's Barnsley. That... Now, I don't know whether or not Statman Dave has done the same thing that all the major broadcasters do and just merged Burnley and Barnsley together to make Burnsley and is just overinflated the number of games we played together, but it was, in fact, Barnsley. Um, our quiz star this week is Andy Richings. I don't recall seeing any other correct answers from anybody else, and this was a bit of a pluck a name out of thin air, but um, well done, Andy, who either has spectacular knowledge or guessed correctly. Um, we are, of course, away this weekend. It's Saturday, the 4th of February. It's a 12.30 kickoff live on Sky Sports, away at Carroll Road. We are going to hand over now to the preview show studio where Statman Dave, our good friend Dave Roberts, is going to give us your championship head-to-head. When we preview the reverse fixture, which finished as a 1-0 home win at Turf Moor back in October... We mentioned that these two teams have now spent 20 seasons together in the same league. Other than four seasons together in the top flight, all of the other 16 have been in the second tier. And it's the 15 previous away matches at this level which we'll now take a look back at. Five of the matches on our list were prior to the Second World War, and all took place in the 1930s. However, there was just one Burnley away win during this decade which was a 3-2 victory in December 1934 at the Nest. 
which was the name of Norwich City's ground before they moved to Carrow Road the following year. This ground was located on Rosary Road and was in use for just 27 years between 1908 and 1935. All of our other four matches in the 1930s were played at Carrow Road and resulted in one 2-2 draw in March 1937, but away defeats in the other three matches. Skipping ahead, our pass did not meet at this level again until the 1970s, but the travelling Clarets experienced another defeat, this time by a 3-0 scoreline in October 1971. The Burnley Express headline read, City Hustlers Show All Their Power and the Canaries went on to gain promotion from the second division as champions at the end of that 1971-72 season. All of our remaining nine away trips at this level have taken place this millennium, with eight prior to our first Premier League promotion in 2009, and just one after that, although we have met in the top flight more recently. In April 2001, Burnley earned a 3-2 win, coming from behind twice. Our goals were scored by Kevin Ball, Gareth Taylor and Ian Moore. However, our next four visits all ended in defeat. By a 2-1 scoreline in September 2001, plus a couple of 2-0 defeats in April and then September 2003, and another 2-1 defeat in December 2005. The only other Burnley win on our list was during the 2006-07 season, and we'll come back to that very soon in our memory match feature. That just leaves a 2-0 defeat in April 2008 and a couple of draws in our two more recent visits for second-tier away games, which were a 1-1 draw in February 2009 and a 2-2 draw in November 2010, when the home side managed a stoppage-time equaliser through Andrew Crofts, who was also sent off a couple of minutes later for a second yellow card. So, Burnley's overall away record against the Canaries at this level is played 15, won three, drawn three and lost nine, with 17 goals for and 30 against. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And then turning to our new slightly tongue-in-cheek fixture for the second half of the season, it is Dave's Most Famous Celebrity Fans, where we rate the basically the, our opposition based on whether or not they have any really good famous fans. Now, listeners, so far this second half of the season, we've, we've had a few here that have been a bit of a stretch past that man, Dave. Um, Tom, did you have a chance to have a look at that list that uh, Dave sent through? I think, uh, to be fair with to Norwich... Um... I think they're one of the few fan, uh, the few clubs where when you think of them, you really think of their celebrity fans f- first and foremost. Think Watford have got Elton John and 
and with Norwich, it's Delia Smith, and I think they're very uh, intrinsically linked to Stephen Fry as well. Um, it's a good list, I think. I think I think they're they're going to be ranking highly come the the scores at the end of the Ooh, season. Ooh, okay. Let's have a look then. Well, listeners, Delia does does not appear on there. I think Dave Dave and his rules has probably decided that Delia, as owner of Norwich Football Club, doesn't count as a fan, but technically she is as well. But first on the list, which Tom has already mentioned, is, of course, the actor, presenter and all-round national treasure, Stephen Fry. Second, former politician, Ed Balls, and Strictly Come Dancing superstar, I would also add to that list. Uh, there's no way Statman Dave was putting that on there. Uh, Marlene Class comes in at third, singer, presenter, classical pianist. She's, I did not know she was a Norwich fan. That's quite an interesting one. Um, fourth, we're at Alexander Armstrong, actor and presenter. Is he the guy that does Pointless? That's the one. Yeah, uh, there you go. See, I do watch television sometimes. Very for a Norwich fan, you might say. Uh, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't don't start jinxing it, Dave. Uh, sorry, Tom. We've not even started yet. Um, fifth on the lead on the league is um, presenter and all round one man upper, uh, Jake Humphrey. <laughs> one man upper, one upman, whatever that expression is. The one that he's always done it before, Jake Humphrey. Um, and then finally, Philip Pullman, who is an author. Um, he's also said as Dave that the Norwich fans themselves have put in a late claim for the actor Hugh Jackman. Who he said apparently his family originates from the area. I'm gonna. That could just. Dave likes to throw us these curveballs in here. And um, based on the ones that we do know, then let's not comment on whether or not Hugh Jackman's on that list. Tom, marks out of ten. I I agree with you. That's a pretty solid list. I'm definitely saying that's the best list we've had so far. I agree with you there. I think I thought West Brom was good, and I think that's that is the best we've had so far. I think I'm gonna take a point off of Jake Humphrey, but nine out of ten. That's a solid uh, solid score. I agree. Well, Dave is recording remotely from the studio today, so he's not live on the show to moderate that. So, by the powers vested in me as host of the Known and Ever football show, I am saying that Norwich City get 9 out of 10 for their celebrity fans. Well done, you. Um, and <laughs> before we start irritating Dave anymore, let's let's just move on very quickly before he decides to, to carbosh the whole thing. Um, we don't have um, an opposition view for you this week. Um, Norwich fans are always strangely shy when it comes to giving us a preview. So we're going to head straight back over, back to the preview show studio, where Matt, uh, I keep saying Matt, Dave is going to give you his memory match. For this week's memory match, we're going to take another look back at the 2006-07 season. The match in question took place on Sunday, 1st of October 2006, and the Sky Sports cameras were there for the live broadcast. The fact that the match was on a Sunday and was televised had an impact on our away following, and there were just 407 Burnley fans at Carrow Road to cheer on the Clarets. Burnley were managed by Steve Cottrell, and Nigel Worthington was in charge of the Canaries, although we'll come back to him again shortly. Future Burnley captain Jason Shackle was among the substitutes for the home side, and he did get onto the pitch later in the game. Burnley's starting eleven was Brian Jensen, John Harley, John McGreal, Frank Sinclair, Michael Duff, Wade Elliott, James O'Connor, Micah Hyde, Steve Jones, Andy Gray and Gifton Noel-Williams. In the first half, Steve Jones set up James O'Connor to give Burnley the lead in the 32nd minute and Andy Gray doubled our lead just before the break with a well-taken header from Wade Elliott's cross. Norwich City's Gary Doherty was shown a straight red card for a professional foul on Andy Gray after 60 minutes, and five minutes after that, Andy Gray found the net again, 
with his foot this time to make it three. Rob Earnshaw pulled one back for the home side after 82 minutes, but substitute Alan Marne's shot found the top corner in the 89th minute to make it 4-1 to the visitors. City manager Nigel Worthington, who'd been in charge since December 2000, did not survive this defeat and later in the day was sacked. Burnley have already managed a very impressive seven away wins in the league so far this season. Can we possibly make it number eight this weekend? Okay, looking ahead to this game at the weekend, and we start our pre-match discussion as to how we think the Clarets are going to do. We're going to start by giving you a little bit of information as to who our referee is going to be. The referee is going to be 53-year-old Kev Keith Stroud from Gosport in Hampshire. Already this season, he's taken charge of our 3-3 home draw against Blackpool in August. Gosh, that feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? As well as our 1-0 away win at Stoke City in December. As we've profiled him twice so far this season, there probably isn't too much more for us to add to this list, other than reminding you that our only defeat in his 10 previous games involving Burnley was his first game way back in September 2005 when we lost 1-0 at Plymouth. Since then, Burnley have won four and drawn five of his other nine matches. We like this. I love how Dave seems to think that somehow the referee is going to influence whether we win, draw or lose. It's a great quality. I do love it. Thomas, Norwich away. It's going to be a funny game. Norwich are in the mix for promotion. They are currently uh, eighth, I think, in the table, but they're only three points away from third. That that section of teams in the playoffs is, is unbelievably tight in the championship. They currently sit 10th in the form table. I think I'm looking at these stats here. Um, they've won their last two um, since Wagner came in. Um, obviously, Revolution had a play, scored four goals, which apparently wasn't heard of. But before then, they'd lost three, drawn one. I think they'd had a spell of about three or four losses and what led to their previous manager getting sacked. Um, a very different Burnley side to the one that played back at 1-0 down at, um, at Turf back in... Gosh, when was that? That was right at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? That was a game of two halves for sure. Um, and that was back in a time when Burnley were a lot more inconsistent where we are now, where we were still finding our feet as to what our preferred starting lineup was. We were drawing way too many games and we were really, really off the pace in the first half, but absolutely battered them in the second half, but couldn't find that equaliser. Um we're going to come on to injury news in a minute because we've had some alarming news coming out of the press conference today. But just on paper, taking the Norwich side and the Burnley side, Tom, what's your what was your initial reaction to how it's going to go on Saturday? I think um, I got accused of being a little bit pessimistic before the West Brom game because I was I was thinking it was going to be difficult and uh, and I said I'd take a point. Uh, Richard Steele in the in the chat didn't say kindly to that. He didn't. Um, he didn't mad at you. It was very funny. He did. But I'm still feeling the same today. I have to say, actually, the West Brom game. You know, we were one 0 down after five minutes, and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be another Sheffield United the way we defended that corner. But really, we controlled that game after, and I think easy to forget really that as much as you're looking at Norwich uh, in the last two games scoring loads of goals playing really well they've got a good side and you're thinking this is going to be difficult they're looking at us and thinking the same yeah. um, you know we are the best team in the league I think and uh, and I think they will be saying the same they'd be very happy with a point against us so th there's no need to go there with any fear um, I think it will be an entertaining game I think they'll be 
a lot more attacking, a lot more uh, kind of risk taking than they were under Dean Smith because it was a bit of a grind the game at the surf. Um, and I think we'll see some goals. Um, I'm hoping. I think I, again, I'd be happy with a draw. I don't think a point down there is a bad result, especially at the time of playing and when they've got a bit of any manager bounce. But I think we're we're more than capable of going anywhere in this league and winning. So I'll, I'll say a few goals and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll nick it by the third one. Oh, I like it. Now, as I just mentioned just very previously, one of the concerns that we've got is that in VK's press conference earlier on today, he has put it out there that the club has had a really tough week in terms of injury and illness, which has swept through the camp. In his words, he said that when you look at the team, you're going to understand this when you see the team at the weekend. You will think that we've got we're going to really, really struggle for players. But probably a week later when we face Preston, we're going to be back to people thinking we've got the ridiculously big squad. That was both alarming and intriguing and all sorts of emotions all at the same time, Tom. We don't know who's out. He's keeping that very close to his chest. He's saying that he's got problems. Who will be the big... Bearing in mind this resurgent Norwich side and the fact that Wagner's got them playing more attacking football, who are your top three players that would be the worst to be injured in that list that we don't know about yet? I think uh, Bayer would be a, a very big mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fair to say, especially with Harwood Bellis being out, because if he's out, then it's Taylor and it's one of the new guys and it's perhaps not an ideal game to be introducing someone new in. Mm-hmm. Um, one player that I'm quite worried about is Benson. Um, he got a big tackle mm-hmm. against West Brom. He, he played on, but he was struggling and he wasn't obviously in the squad for the Ipswich game. I haven't heard anything about Benson. I don't know if he's if we've got any confirmation that he's injured or he's going to be out for a while, yeah, but nothing. I'm a little bit worried that we might not see him for a little bit of time and, and he is a, a big, big miss. Um, and I think the other one that I'm a little bit worried about, um, you mentioned earlier um, about centre midfield, maybe we could have brought in an extra body there. I think we've got we're, we've got a few defensive-minded midfielders, Court, Cullen and Bastian. Um, we've got Twine or, or Goodmanson who can play in the number 10, but I think there's only one player who can play in both, and that's Brownhill. Yeah. Um, I think if we were to miss Brownhill, um, then we lose we lose quite a lot of... Uh, well, we lose a bit more depth in the squad than we do with any other player in that position. So I'd be, uh, I'd be a bit worried if he was missing as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like you say, we have got a strength in depth now. We've got a squad that can cover these. But one of the challenges that we've got, and that's probably what we saw with Ipswich in the Cup last week, is that those players haven't got game time. And some of them are brand new to the club and don't yet know their fellow teammates that well. Not in not in a competitive game environment. So I guess we've got to lose at some point. I don't see us going to the end of the season without losing any games. Um, I think it's obviously a really fantastic run we're on at the moment. But I definitely share your belief that I think 1-0, um, sorry, a, a draw is going to be a very good result. One nice piece is that Ben Gibson's not going to be involved. That's always nice because there's always a little bit of a salty relationship with, with Mr. Gibson. Apparently he's back after injury, but um, he is his wife's expecting. So um, congratulations to him. And I hope all that goes well. But also I'm very pleased that we're not meeting you on the pitch, Mr. Gibson. Thank you very much. Um, looking at the Norwich build-up, they too have got quite a few injuries as well. So I'm not entirely sure that they're going to get their first team out there. Bearing all of that in mind, are you going to give me a score prediction? 
Uh, all right. So my heart says three two. My head says two two. Um, you can pick whichever one you want from now. Oh wow. Okay. Um, well, actually, very exciting, listeners. Brommers Bankers came in against the West Brom for the first time ever. Um, actually, I just need to give a really special shout out to really good friend of the show, Andrew Blythe. Most of our listeners will know Andrew. He does a crazy journey every every home game, most home games, um, down the country from Scotland to to watch his his beloved Burnley play. Um, he always puts a bet on Brommers Bankers because he's hilarious. Most of the time, a free bet. Thank goodness, because a I'm encouraging you to gamble responsibly or B, not at all because I'm rubbish um, but he does it and he does it faithfully and of course it came in and because it's a little bit of fun and it's a little bit of banter Andrew immediately contacted us and said he wanted to donate the winnings um, to a charity of our choice I do need to get back to you Andrew and I do know that I'm sorry but I suspect that we're probably going to ask for donations either buy items or give the cash to Burnley in the community kitchen the food bank um, they desperately need supplies and it's a really tough times for the people around Burnley. So thank you, Andrew, and uh, we'll get in touch very, very soon. Um, I guess the only thing to think about, um, how do you expect us to um, play formation? That's going to be a very difficult question to answer, isn't it? Because we don't yet know who's injured. Um, assuming it's not as bad as we think it is, how do you expect us to play formation-wise? I think uh, more of the same. I think again, it's. Uh, I don't think we're we're the kind of team who, who changes our setup for anyone. I think you know we let them worry about us. So um, maybe one one thing one change I'd maybe like to see is if we have got Benson fit. Um, Tell has played wide right in the last couple of games, and I don't think it's his best position. No, I'd like I agree. to see him maybe back inside behind uh, uh, behind the striker, whoever that is. But obviously, it depends who is fit. But you could play Goodmanson out there and there. And uh, obviously Zorora on the other side, but yeah, I don't. It obviously depends on the personnel, and if you know, if it depends where all the injuries and the illness are as well. I suppose if yeah. all the wingers are out, then we're going to see something different. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think you know that aside, I don't think we'll be changing too much. I don't, I don't think it's company style to to change for the opposition. I think he's he, he sticks to his way. Good. Um, assuming that it's worst case scenario, and we have got three or four players out injured. Out of the new incoming players, which ones would you be pretty comfortable seeing them throwing at the deep end and playing? I think uh, Alder Keel has obviously had yes. one start now. He's been yeah. here a little bit of time. I, I, like I said, I think he, you could tell he wasn't quite up to scratch yet in terms of his distribution and things like that. But, you know, he's had a game to settle in. So I think if you're going to play a centre-half or you need to play one of the new centre-halves, it'd be him. And then uh, I think Foster as well. I, I think... It's always unfair because I think the players who have the biggest price tag are the ones that you expect the most from. Very true. Uh, it's like pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I know he was a big spend for us. Yeah. It was, yeah, and it's we haven't really done that, you know, in the championship since Andre Gray, I suppose. So, yeah. um, was a bit of pressure on, but you know, Rodriguez isn't scoring, Bond isn't scoring. So, mm, Chris uh, Wood, yeah. was Chris Wood a Premier um, League signing? He was in the championship, wasn't he? Or was he Premier so, League? Yeah. yeah. No, I think Chris Wood was Premier. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, you might yeah, be right, actually. Yeah. Probably, probably the, the he was probably the last big striker signing we had, yeah. if you don't count Rodriguez. So definitely. Yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see Foster starting games sooner rather than later. And if that starts on Saturday, so much the better. Excellent. Well, 
There you go. We will see how Burnley fare against Norwich in their EFL game. Uh, before we hand over to finish off the podcast, um, I do like to treat you, particularly our podcast listeners. Um, we, of course, are missing one vital component from the previous show. We are going to hand back for one final time to Dave Roberts in the preview show studio, who's going to delve deep into those pockets of his and give you his miscellaneous stat of the week. Two of our January transfer window signings, Amin Al-Dakil and Lyle Foster, were given Burnley debuts by Vincent Company in our goalless draw at Ipswich Town in the FA Cup last Saturday. As well as being the 19th and 20th players to make their debut so far this season, they were also the 1099th and 1100th players to pull on a Burnley shirt for a competitive match. Lyle Foster, who came off the bench to be our milestone 1100th player, is also the first South African to play for the club in our 141-year history. In terms of the other milestone players, Jack Breeden became our 500th player in 1946, followed by Doug Collins as number 600 in 1968. Mark Rhodes was number 700 in 1985, and Jerry Harrison became number 800 in 1994. Gareth Farrelly was our 900th player in 2003 and Cameron Howison became number 1000 in 2012. No FPL section this week. Adam dropped to the line to say that um, there's literally nothing changed since the last update I gave you because the Premier League, obviously with the Cup games, hasn't really uh, changed much and we're in between game weeks, I think. I should know this if I'd actually bother looking at my side. Uh, so Adam will be back with you next week with an FPL update. So that just leaves me one final thing and that is to leave you with this week's preview show quiz question. Um, oh my goodness. Actually, he's not given me one. Listeners, this is hilarious. So as regular listeners know, I, we work off scripts here. Um, and he's literally, do you know what Dave's quiz question is this week, Tom? TBC. 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 So I'm going to set you a challenge, listeners. Your preview show quiz question, TBC. What in the world of Dave Roberts and Burnley Football Club does TBC stand for and i am not talking about what the actual acronym is get creative tweet us at known and ever or leave us a comment on our facebook but what does tbc mean in the world of burnley football club that, i wonder if he's yeah. uh, predicting a three no win taylor barnes and cork to score <gasps> love it there you go listeners what a start what a start um but yeah no do let's have some fun with this and let's and also tag dave into your tweets because i'm just gonna absolutely take the mickey out of him mercilessly um that is all we have got time for this week uh, this has been the preview show brought to you by the no name never podcast in association with the talk sport fan network i've been your host natalie bromley until next time the no name never podcast is brought to you in association with the talk sport fan network natalie bromley is the host and editor and the show is produced by matt moss our resident statistician is dave roberts and our fpl expert is adam dennett the analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. 
Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.